So we've been started in this new series in Hebrews chapter 11 over the last couple weeks called Stepping Deeper into Faith. And we're using this, uh, this chapter in Hebrews, it's all about faith and the heroes of the faith, to learn how we as followers of Christ can grow deeper in our faith in these different areas and these different aspects of faith that are highlighted by each one of these guys. And so today, we're going back to Hebrews 11 again. So if you've got your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 through 6. And we're going to be looking at the story of Enoch this morning. Uh, which means we're also going to have to go back and grab a couple verses from Genesis chapter 5. So you might want to put a bookmark or something over in Genesis chapter 5 at the beginning of your Bible. We'll be getting there in just a little bit. Um, but this story of Enoch is really powerful. And it shows us that God is a rewarder. All right, He's a rewarder. And we're going to see that. Uh, through the text this morning. If you're a guest with us, man, we're glad you're here. By the way, I don't know if I said that earlier, uh, but if you need anything, if you need any help, please let us know. We'd love to serve you. If you need a Bible, there are some black hardback ones there in the chairs around. You can kind of look around underneath the chairs and find you a Bible there if you need to borrow one this morning. So as I was thinking about reward this week, rewards and, and, and God being the rewarder, I did a little more research, and you know, humans are typically driven by two things in our lives. Um, necessities, like food, sleep, you know, water, things that we have to have to survive, and rewards, right? And in fact, there's actually, God has built into our brains, when he created us, he built in what the scientists have now called a reward system that actually activates in our brains. When we anticipate a reward or when we receive a reward, our neurons release dopamine that then create this pleasurable memory or this pleasurable association with that reward that we're getting or we're anticipating. And God designed it to work that way. And, and really anything can function or trigger as a reward, right? Anything that motivates us, anything that we're, that's positive for us, it doesn't have to be something special, just anything that motivates us can be a reward. It can be internal, like just the joy that you receive by doing your favorite activity, right? Like by reading a book or going on a bike ride or cooking a meal or whatever your thing is. Sometimes it's an external reward, right? Like the, the, uh, the weight you lose from working out or the the paycheck you get for doing your job, those are all external rewards that keep us going back to those behaviors. And I was thinking, you know, it's, it's crazy how sometimes even the smallest, most meaningless rewards <laughs> can get us to keep repeating behaviors and keep going back to that, right? Like, I thought about, like, as a kid, and you're playing skee-ball, and you're spending, like, hundreds of dollars getting skee-ball tickets so you can get the little plastic ring out of the case, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it, it's, just a, it's a reward. It's a motivator. Or, you know, you, you're at the gas station, and, like, you've got to get right at that dollar amount. Like, you get right to all the zeros, right? You've got to hit that gist on the mark. Like, that's just a reward in and of itself. Or, or not, not breaking that wordle streak. You know, whatever the thing is, right? Like, these little things can motivate us to move and to do things in crazy ways. And rewards aren't a bad thing. I think sometimes they get a bad rap, right? Like, the, well, you're only doing it for the reward. Well, God hardwired us like this, right? Like he made us with this system in our brain that causes us to follow and crave and to seek out rewards in various ways. So it's not a bad thing, but here's the key. God did not create us like this with this reward system in us to get us to play one more game of skee-ball or wordle. He created us with this so that we would seek him and the greatest reward that we can receive from him and through him. It's meant to point us back to God, just like everything else in this world. And so that's what we're going to see with Enoch today, is he got that. 
And to step deeper into faith, I must see God as the ultimate rewarder. If I'm going to step deeper into faith, I must see that God is the ultimate rewarder. He is the one that I want. He's the one I'm seeking. He's the one who can give me what I really desire in my heart. So let's look at the text and see where this is coming from today. So Hebrews 11, verse 5 is where we're going to start. It says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Okay? So, first point this morning, first lesson from Enoch is this. Walking in faith reaps rewards. Walking in faith reaps rewards. It starts right here in verse 5, the first two words, by faith. Now, that's going to be a recurring prefix all throughout this chapter. Before every single one of the examples that that the author gives, it's going to start off with by faith, meaning because of faith, right? Or in response to his faith, or as a result of his faith. That by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. What? (laughs) That That is an unbelievable claim. Right? Think about that. If someone came to you and said, like, this person was here, they lived, but they never died, you'd be like, yeah, that's not true. Right? Like, that, that, that's not the way we know the world functions. One of our, our great forefathers in American history, Benjamin Franklin, once said, in this world, nothing can be certain except death and amen. Right? <laughs> right? Like, there's some things we just don't get out of. Right? Like, it comes to all of us. And actually, the Bible says the same thing. In Romans chapter 3... Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And then in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you put that together, we find out that everyone sins, and sin always leads to death. And so guess what? All die. That's the way it works. But not Enoch. And this is not some trick that he pulled on God, right? He didn't get a fast one over on God here. He didn't find a loophole in the whole death thing. There's some other reason that Enoch never faced death. And it says right here, he was not found because God had taken him. So he didn't fool God. In fact, this was God's choice. Like, God was the one who decided, okay, for you, Enoch, you don't have to experience death. I'm going to give you a pass on that one. So, so why? Why did this happen? And here's the crazy thing. As crazy as this story is, and as unique as this story is to Enoch, we only have four short verses anywhere in the Bible that tell us the story of Enoch. Right? Like, there's really not much there. But we're going to look at it today to see why, how did Enoch escape death. So go back to chapter 5 now in Genesis. All the way back to the beginning of your Bible, very first book. Go to the big number 5, chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 21 and see these four verses about Enoch. So it starts off in 21. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. 
and thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So there it is again. And so what's crazy about this story is it comes smack dab in the middle of this big long list of genealogy that follows Adam. Right, so Adam is there, and then he has a son, and his son has a son, and the, the lineage keeps going, and then it gets to Enoch, and every single man in that lineage, it says specifically, it points out, it like puts a, a, a mark on it, and says every man in that list died, except for Enoch. Enoch, it says, lived. In fact, he lived forever without death. Now, that is quite a reward, Anybody, anybody here, like, I'll, I'll take that reward. Like, I'll, if I don't have to face death, I'll take that, right? Like, that's a big reward. So why did he get it? Why did God give him that? Well, Hebrews tells us that it was by faith. Because of his faith in God. But Genesis says it differently. Genesis says it was because he walked with God. In other words, He believed, he had faith, and therefore he followed, he walked with God, he chose to have a close, personal relationship with the God of the universe through faith. He walked with God in faith, and that was his only chance, his only chance at life instead of death. And in this little story of Enoch, in the very first chapters of the Bible, we get a great picture, a great foreshadowing of the gospel. The same reward that Enoch got, eternal life, is available to all of us today. It wasn't just for Enoch, actually. We, too, can escape death if we will walk with God in faith. We can have that same reward. That's what the gospel is all about. As we said earlier, all of us are sinners. The Bible is very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have rebelled against God. We have disobeyed his word. And because of that, what we deserve is death. We deserve death. We deserve his wrath. We deserve punishment for our sin. And yet, God in his infinite love for us and in his grace towards those that he created, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come to the earth, to be born as a man, to live a perfect and sinless life, the thing that none of us could do, and then to go to the cross and die a sinner's death. To stand in our place. He was literally a substitute. He stood in our place and he took the wrath and the the punishment and the death that we deserve for our sins, and he died in our place, and then he was buried in the grave for three days, and then he rose back to life to prove that he was God. And to offer us eternal life. Just like what Enoch got. That if you put your faith in me, if you will turn from your sin and believe in Jesus Christ, that you can have eternal life with God. You can have new spiritual life in Christ. Just like what we just saw professed here in the baptisms this morning. These people, their hearts and their lives have been changed forever. They are have new life here on this earth, and one day they will have eternal life with God in heaven because they have by faith followed Jesus Christ. It's the best reward you can ever get. And there's only one way to get it. 
by faith. You know, as I was thinking about death this week and all of this, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, our, our lo- in this life, our bodies just don't last, right? Like, they just, they break down over time. They don't work like they used to. There's pains and there's aches and there's problems. And they're, like, they're, there's coming a point where this body's not going to do what it used to do. Amen? All right. I thought some of y'all would be louder on that one, but that's okay. I'll take it, all right? Which means that there's coming a day for all of us, for most of us, sort of God taking us home earlier, where we're going to have to stop doing what we used to. We're not going to be able to work like we used to work. We're not going to be able to do all the stuff we used to do. There come a day where we're going to have to have some other plan to make it, right? And so hopefully you're making a plan for that right now, like whatever retirement's going to look like for you when that comes. You know, maybe you're, you know, hoping in your company's pension plan, and you're like, that's going to set me when I get there. Maybe some of y'all are holding out hope that Social Security is still going to be solvent and God's going to, you know, the government's going to do something for you there. I hope so. Um, maybe you are socking money away in a 401k or in some type of investment. Whatever your plan is, your hope is, your, your plan is that one day when you need it, when you can't work anymore, that whatever you've trusted in for that time is going to reward you, right? You're going to get something back out of those sources that you've been paying into in order to keep you going, and if, you know, the company is still around or if the government is still solvent or if, you know, the market doesn't crash, then you probably will. You'll probably get a reward. Maybe. Hopefully. But it's not really guaranteed. Think about how much time and effort and work and preparation we put in to hope that one day we have a reward when that time comes so we can keep living. But it's not guaranteed. There's one reward that is guaranteed. Eternal life. And it's guaranteed because Christ already paid for it. It's already done. It's already sealed. It's already secured. All you have to do is put your faith in him, and you will be 100% guaranteed a reward of eternal life with God the Father. have to receive it by faith. Faith in God reaps the reward of eternal life. That's the number one thing we learned from Enoch. How did he get it? He got it by faith. So that's the first lesson. The second lesson this morning from Enoch is walking in faith pleases the rewarder. Pleases the rewarder. Take a look back at Hebrews 11 verse 5 again. And it gives this commentary about his life. It says, before he was taken, he pleased God. So, so here are the grounds for Enoch's great reward. Here's how he received that abundant grace and mercy from God. It's because he pleased God. So then the question obviously is, how did he please him? What did Enoch do to please God and reap this reward of eternal life? Well, again, Hebrews tells us right here in the text. He's just laying it straight out. He says, he pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Or in a positive assertion, the only way to please God is through faith. That's the only way that God will be pleased with you, is if you have faith in him. 
It's not by works. Works will not earn you or get you the pleasure of God. Not proving myself, not proving my worth through this thing or that thing, this religious act or that religious act, not by serving enough at my church, not by sacrificing enough in my giving, not by being a good person and making sure my good deeds are more than my bad deeds. None of that is going to get you God's pleasure. None of that is going to make him pleased with you. God is pleased by faith. It's the only way, it says. It's impossible to please God without it. It's not by believing in myself. It's not by believing how much I can accomplish if I just pick myself up and keep going and work hard and prove it. It's believing in him. Believing that Jesus alone can and will do it for those who love and follow him. That he will give us the gift of eternal life. I was thinking about this impossible to please God without faith thing. And I think it's illustrated even more back in Genesis with this whole story. So go back again. I know we're kind of flipping back and forth. I apologize. Go back to Genesis chapter 5 one more time. And I want to look at the context here around Enoch's story. Right? I want you to, I want to, I want to show you here what's happening with this genealogy. So go back to verse 3 this time. Chapter 5, verse 3. We're going to start with Adam. It says, when Adam had lived 130 years... He fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had some other sons and daughters, and thus all the days Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Then we go to his son. Verse 6, when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, and he fathered other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And I'm not, I'm not going to keep reading all the people, but it's the same pattern. Every guy in the list, same pattern. Each man, he lived, he fathered, he lived some more, and he died. That's the pattern. But then notice when we get to Enoch. Look at Enoch's pattern, how it changes. Because we don't have time to go there today, but if you went to Genesis chapter 6, the next chapter, it's going to tell us that sin was multiplying on the earth. So that means that in each generation, from Adam on, each generation, each man was living, but he wasn't living for God. And he was sinning more, and his sons were sinning more, and his grandsons were sinning, and sin was just multiplying on the earth through every subsequent generation. And then we get to Enoch. In verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. And thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So look at the difference in the pattern. Enoch lived, then he fathered, and then he walked with God. It doesn't say that he lived, again. It says that he walked. It says it twice. There's emphasis there. And because of that, God took him, and he never died. What's really interesting to me about this whole passage and the fact that it makes it to Hebrews 11 is nowhere in Genesis 5 right here, when we're talking about Enoch, nowhere does it say anything about faith. Did you notice that? The word faith isn't in there anywhere. So how do we know that that's what really did it? How do we know that's what really pleased God for Enoch if it's not doesn't say anything about his faith here? 
Well, that phrase there where it says that he walked with God twice can also be translated as he pleased God. Some of your translations might even say that. It can also mean that he pleased him. And as we just learned earlier from Hebrews chapter 11, if Enoch pleased God, that means that he had to obey him and he had to follow him on the earth in faith. As Hebrew already told us, faith is required to please God. And so it's implicit there in the fact that he walked with him, that he pleased him. That's the only way he was going to reap the rewards. Faith walks with God because it pleases the rewarder. And he responds to that. You know, the last couple of years have been crazy for the world. And I came across this week a research study that was done just last year, 2021, specifically by Pew Research Center here in the United States, studying how America's religious views had changed in response to the pandemic, in response to the suffering and the death and all of the struggle through those years. Like, how did that have an impact on people's thoughts about God and faith? And specifically, they were asking questions about their view of death and life after death. Okay? So here's what they came back with. I thought this was really, really interesting. It said that they found that 73% of Americans still believe in heaven. And 62% still believe in hell. I was actually really kind of shocked by that. I thought that would be much lower than that at this point. While only 26% of Americans say that they do not believe in heaven or hell, and 17% of them saying that they believe in no afterlife at all. Okay, so there's just nothing. That got me thinking. And then there was the more interesting part, though, of the survey was this. They then asked them a follow-up question. Okay, if you believe in that, if you believe in heaven and hell or an afterlife, who can get to heaven? That was the next question. And 39% of Americans said that you do not have to believe in God to go to heaven. It's like saying you don't have to believe in the Cardinals to go to Bush Stadium. Like, why would you go? Like, why would you go? I don't even... Well, only 32% said that non-believers can enter into heaven. What was even more concerning to me, because that was just general public, right? So that, those people who don't believe in Jesus, don't go to church, and that's fine. Like, you know, everybody has, they're in a different place in, in their understanding of, you know, all of that. And that's okay. Here's what really concerned me. 58% of Christians, those proclaiming to be followers of Christ, 58% of Christians said that many religions can lead to eternal life in heaven. While only 13% of Christians believe that only Christian religions receive the reward of eternal life in heaven. Only 13%. That is a very sad and scary statistic for the church. For us as Christians, for me as a pastor. Because compared to what the Bible teaches, that's completely off. 
And so I just want to I just want to take a moment just to be very, very clear with you this morning. The Bible is clear that the only way, say only, the only way to receive eternal life in heaven with God is to please the rewarder. And the only way you please him is by faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other option. There is no other way. Hebrews said it is impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Faith in God is the only way to please God and to reap his rewards. That's what we see from Enoch. That's what Hebrews confirms through Enoch's story. And I want you to know that this morning. I want you to hear that this morning. Even if you don't agree with me. Even if you're like, this is all crazy. You're talking about people living hundreds of years old. Like, I don't even, like, this is all bogus. Okay, I don't, you don't have to agree with me yet. That's fine. But I just want you to hear it from my lips to you this morning from the Lord so that you know the truth and you can process that however you want to process it. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Last lesson from Enoch's life this morning. Number three, walk in faith because God is real and he is a rewarder. Walk in faith because God is real and he is a rewarder. It says back in Hebrews verse 6, it says, whoever would draw near must believe. In other words, if you want to be near to God, if you want to have a relationship with God, it starts with faith. It doesn't start with actions. Right? It doesn't start with you cleaning yourself up or getting rid of some sin in your life or doing some things to kind of make yourself pretty in God's eyes again. It's, it's none of that. It doesn't start there. So, yeah, your life changes after you follow Jesus for sure, but it doesn't start with that. It starts with faith. Because if you want to draw dear, you must believe. Have a personal relationship with him. It starts with faith and trust. And really, this shouldn't surprise us because you can't truly be close to anyone. You can't really have a, a personal, close relationship with anyone in this life until you trust them. And the same is true with God. It starts with trust. It starts with faith. It starts by believing in Him, in His presence, in His power, in His character. It means believing in Him rather than believing in yourself. Because that's where most of us start. Is my faith, my trust, my hope, it's in me. Right? Like, I'll get it done. I'll do what I need to do. I can handle this. It's me. If you want to have a relationship with God, it doesn't start with you. It starts with him. And faith. It says, whoever would draw near must believe two things. Number one, that he exists. Or in other words, that he is real. That God is real. That, and this is the most basic question of faith, right? How do we know God is real? Well, I'll give you three evidences that he's given to us. The first one is this, that God has revealed himself to us. 
all throughout human history, we have record of how he has revealed himself to his people time and time and time again. The most maybe blatant one is Exodus 3.14, where he comes down in the midst of the people who have been in rebellion and in, in, in imprisonment and just, just in slavery, and he's rescued them, and he comes down to Moses and he says, I am who I am. He reveals and he gives Moses his personal name. Like, you can, you can know me. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. And then he continued to reveal himself to his people all throughout the generations, even up to today, through his word. He has told us precisely who he is and how we can know him and how we can have a relationship with him by revealing himself to us. So first he's revealed himself to us. Number two, God put a transcendent longing in us. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says it like this. It says he put eternity into man's heart. In other words, he's built us with this innate desire for something bigger than ourselves. Every human feels this pull. You know why so many people are, today are struggling with anxiety and with depression and with substance abuse and with money and materialism and all the stuff that people run at? All the, it's because they're trying to find something to make their life feel like it has purpose or meaning, and when they don't find it, they feel hopeless. Because there's something inside of all of us that is longing for something bigger, bigger than this life, bigger than going to work, bigger than getting a paycheck and a new car and getting the kids through school and getting a college degree. And there's something bigger. There's got to be something bigger than that. And God built that into your heart so it would point you back to him. To a bigger purpose, to a bigger person. And so he's hardwired us to know him and to worship him in faith. And so even, even before we understand what all is about Jesus or the Bible or God, there's already something inside of us that's pulling us towards that. Telling us that, yes, there's something out there. God is real. There's something out there. And then the third evidence is that God came to us and for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 8 says it like this. It says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So God chose to empty himself of his, of his eternal deity uh, state and come down in human form on the earth. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We know God is real because most of all, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because there was a point in history where God chose to put on flesh to come down and be part of his creation, to lead us, to love us, and ultimately to sacrifice himself for us so that we can know him, so that we can follow him, so that we can believe. 
that he exists. And so Hebrews says, if you're going to know God, if you're going to be near to God, you have to believe that he exists. And then number two, believe he is a rewarder. It actually says that he rewards those who seek him. But the Greek there is not just that, not just that rewarding is something that he does, but it's a part of who he is. Right? That, that he inherently is a rewarder. It's part of his character. And the rewards are just what flows from the heart of God to his people. And we see this again three times, three different evidences that God is a rewarder. Number one, God promises to reward those who have faith in him. He promises this. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily, ask for the Lord and not for men, knowing... In other words, God's promising, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, the inheritance of eternal life. For you are serving the Lord Christ. That if we're following him, if we're serving him, if, we are, if, if our faith is in him, his, his glory, his promises, then we are guaranteed the reward of eternal life. But again, the promise there, it doesn't hinge on the doing. It doesn't hinge on what you do for God. It hinges on faith. It hinges on the heart of believing before the doing. And so God promises to reward those who have faith in him. And then number two, God abundantly rewards those who have faith in him. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, he guarantees that the reward that we will receive at his hands, the life that we will have with him for all of eternity, will so far exceed anything we can even possibly imagine. This reward will be off the charts, y'all. Like, I'm serious. Sometimes I think that we think heaven's just like another version of whatever our favorite thing here is on earth. No. <laughs> it's a thousand times better than anything you can imagine. Because he abundantly rewards those who have faith in him. It flows from his inexhaustible goodness and glory. And so it can be nothing less than the greatness of who he is. God abundantly rewards those who have faith in him. And then lastly, last thing today, God is the greatest reward for those who have faith in him. Church, this is it right here. It's not just that God is a rewarder. It's that God is the reward that he gives us. Back in Genesis 15, 1. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So Abram is God's chosen man, right? He's starting the nation of Israel. Like, this is his best guy that he chose from the very beginning. And he says to Abram, he says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. God had promised Abraham a lot of things, right? He promised him land. He promised him this giant family. He promised him prosperity. He promised him all these things. But all of that was secondary. Right here he's saying, like, listen, the greatest reward I'm going to give to you, Abraham, is myself. I'm going to be your shield, and that is the greatest reward. 
And even today, God is still the greatest reward you can get. Having him, having the almighty God in your life, in relationship with you, walking with you, like being near to God is the greatest reward. If we believe, if we put our faith in him alone, walk with God in faith and he will give you the greatest reward, eternal life with him. Ultimately, that's what's going to make heaven great. You know that, right? It's not streets of gold or mansions or crystal lakes or whatever you've been told is going to be up there. That's not what makes heaven awesome. It's that we're in the presence of God. He is the great reward. Step deeper into faith. I must see God is the ultimate rewarder. He really is. And he offers us the ultimate reward of eternal life with him. But it only comes, one more time, I know I've said this like 50 times in the sermon, but I just want to make sure you got it. It only comes by faith. And so God's calling you today, I'm calling you today. Walk in faith with God. Walk in faith with God and you will experience the greatest Reward ever. Stand with me. Let's pray. Let's respond to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God. We thank you for thank you for this time to come again in your presence to hear from you, God. To celebrate these changed lives, Lord, that you have saved from their sin and from death the eternal life that you have given to them. Lord, you are a rewarder of your people and we know that, we believe that, we praise you for that this morning. Lord, you love us, you call us, you save us, and then you reward us when we follow you in faith. We recognize today the greatest reward we can have, the greatest thing we can receive is not something from you, but it's you. You, you are our greatest reward. You are our greatest treasure. And there is nothing in all of eternity that is better than you, our great and awesome God. Thank you. Thank you. I pray all of this in Christ's name.